0: This is Bite Size History with the Saints.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
0: Hey everyone, it's Megan.
2: And it's Bradley.
0: So this week, we're going to be talking about the recipe that we're working on for this weekend. Um, So we're moving up into North America, specifically the southwestern states.
2: Yeah, more Texas this week. It
0: it's, it's really Texas. But it did mean we had to do additional research on other things. And, you know, it was kind of a hard decision to decide, do I want to do the Pueblo peoples or do I want to do something else? And... I did decide on doing something else, only because there's a lot of documentation on the Pueblos, mostly because of like their dwellings and the culture that we've captured, that I almost kind of felt as if it would be great to do it, but a lot of other people have already covered a lot
2: of Pueblo culture. So why not do something new?
0: Exactly. So instead, we're going to focus on one of the tribes from the Rio Grande. Is it Rio Grande or Rio
2: Grande? Uh, I think it's Rio Grande. Rio Grande region I don't know I've I've only been to Texas a couple times and they only talk about Texas <laughs> they, they don't talk about anything outside of Texas
0: technically that's on the edge of Texas
2: yeah but that's uh yeah <laughs> uh
0: but we're gonna be focusing on a um tribe specifically called the Coa uh, Wheel Ken who they were around for quite a while they were nomadic Um, They focused on hunting and gathering, which is pretty typical for most of the North American tribes. Um, And one of the things was they often would cross the Rio Grande to follow um, whatever they were chasing.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's not uncommon with nomadic groups. Hunter gatherer societies tend to migrate with the herds that they tend to eat. So as your herd migrates north, south, east, west, you just kind of follow them. And it's not like constant migration, because those herds will stop, they'll graze, they'll stay in a place, you know, a couple days, a couple weeks, and then they start to move on, and you start to move on. It's not unheard of.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's very typical for those kind of groups, and it's also kind of a general reminder borders really don't exist in no. those kind of ways.
2: And that's the thing, is like, the idea of land... And being a specific person is a very modern concept. When I say modern, but it's, it's not something that hunter-gatherer societies really have much of an idea of. They've got territorial areas that they will actually cross over into other territorial areas. But we find that oftentimes, because there's another group in that area, the food resources aren't enough to support both of them. So they kind of create these boundaries themselves because, well, if I go over there, there's not going to be any food. So I'll stay over here where there is food. And then you start to see warfare because, you know, one group decides that they want a little bit more food. So you start to get this competitiveness for lands, but there's not an idea of ownership.
0: Yeah, it's definitely much more open. And that's one of the big things that, you know, we noticed when doing some initial research on this is that some of the foods that, you know, the Aztecs had available to them, like tomatoes and corn, all of these things would continue to flow up north simply because people were moving. People did um, stuff.
2: There's trade. Yeah, Trade plays a large part in it too, because there's, there's goods in, you know, north, north America that they weren't able to get in, you know, central Mexico. So trading goods that you have here for goods that are there only makes sense. And that's why when, like, the Mississippi uh, culture came about, that the their trade routes stretched all the way, you know, down into the Gulf of Mexico, all the way up to the Great Lakes. And it's just, you know, trade is trade.
0: And that's the thing. Everybody wants the new shiny thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, especially when food's involved. Exactly. You know, corn is an amazing you know, source of food, doesn't take a whole lot of land and it produces a whole lot of, you know, kernels and those kernels can be used for multiple different things. So trade is always a, something that we tend to forget about. We think about trade in the modern standard. And the thing is that even today, you know, it's still a form of trade even though, okay, let's say you're living in, you know, New York, and you're getting getting your avocados from California. Well, there's still a company that's transporting that, and you're still trading money for that good. They're trading money to get that good, so on and so on. It's just, it evolves, becomes more complicated, and then we all complain about, well, why aren't there any avocados? And it's because there was a, you know, several natural disasters that happened in california yeah get ready for that one people all the things that have been happening to california is going to affect a lot of the food sources mm-hmm. and that's why we promote you know trying to say stay sustainable and local
0: yeah that's one of the reasons why like <laughs> we do our garden like i i kind of joke that it's like a weird victory garden i suppose, to work through our rations <laughs> um but it's really because honestly Having those foods accessible is a huge part of what we do with these recipes. And as, you know, different environmental events happen, even just normal things that happen every year, like a freeze that happens late or something along those lines, that will kill off crops. And... I mean, there
2: was a whole movie made about that. <laughs> He's talking yeah.
0: about trading places. <laughs> <laughs> and no, they were thinking it was going to, but then it but, didn't yeah, affect
2: but, it. No, but that's the thing is. We, they didn't know if it was going to freeze and kill the crops off. And then, you know, that trading and all that. So it all ties in, you know, <laughs> commodities trading, commodities trading.
0: <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, it's one of those kind of things that like, you know, we always kind of have to think about because the time of year, food accessibility, where we're at impacts what we're going to eat in the same way that our ancestors did. Yeah. The difference is we now all have the luxury of like, you know, trains going around the country with food in them, um, trucks, everything. But we miss on the idea of, like, one, what is that cost doing to the environment? Mm-hmm. And what happens if any of those chains break down like they did during COVID?
2: Um, yeah, or, like, they're, we're already starting to see some of the effects, like, uh, I think it was raspberries. Yeah. Are pretty much just decimated because of all, all the things happening in California. And... Now, we're not trying to take and belittle the events happening in California. No. Because ultimately, you can you can survive without your raspberries. You can survive without your avocados.
0: People losing their homes and the devastation, they definitely can't survive
2: with. Yeah. And that's, you know, honestly kind of ties back into climate change is royally screwing up our climate, obviously. <laughs> and a large part of that is down to the fact that we don't tend to stay local. You know, it costs so much more emissions to get your avocados i mean avocados themselves are a horrible plant that are legitimately destroying ecosystems because people have decided that they have to have their avocados so avocados have been destroying ecosystems because farmers are going okay well maybe i should plant avocados well it takes 15 years for an avocado tree to produce anything and when it finally does produce something You know, you could get that to market, but you've already destroyed all of that cropland to produce this one thing for 15 years. And it's it's an issue that all the transportation of it, the massive deforestation, especially in like the Amazon, the reliance on one single crop is causing us a whole world of issues. And... It's a lot of things that need to change, and we need to change them rapidly.
0: One thing he's not mentioning, he actually personally hates avocados?
2: I do hate avocados. I I will admit, I hate avocados. But that doesn't change the fact that they are horrible for the environment, and that the absolute need to have avocados is actually literally destroying, you know, whole swaths of our planet.
0: I don't know if you listeners realize, he's also directing this at me. Oh, I am. I do love myself an avocado. A
2: little bit too much, and I let her know every time.
0: Every single time that that, and also that apparently humans are the only
2: species who can eat them. No, that one I think might been hearsay. I don't know, but I think that I don't know. We're not going to get into that. But the 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 avocados and the coffee, you know, those two things my two vices for two big vices. I let her know every single time that she eats or drinks coffee, or well, eats an avocado or drinks coffee that. She's literally helping contribute to the death of our planet. Isn't it beautiful? (laughs) And yeah, there are, you know, quote unquote, sustainable farming practices out there for like coffee. But the problem is that that coffee still has to be transported to you in some fashion. And the packaging often isn't biodegradable. The transportation means are often putting out more emissions into the environment or into the air than we actually need. So, you know, maybe just cut down on your coffee, maybe cut down on your avocado intake and
1: save the planet a little bit.
0: I feel like Q&A, I'm doing my part meme because I have been cutting down.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
0: Mostly because avocados are like six bucks for two of them here. Yeah. And I'm not going to spend that.
2: That's because it takes 15 years to produce an avocado and then it has to be transported either from Mexico or from California.
0: So maybe the key is we let the free market decide by making it so ungodly expensive, people won't eat them.
2: No. Because it won't happen. (laughs) That won't happen. No, that won't happen. What we need to do is just take and have a mindful presence about ourselves sitting there going, this avocado, you know either came from quite literally cartels or it destroyed large vast of the ecosystem in California so that you can have your avocado on your toast and it you know no avocados definitely need to take and fall to the wayside those they are overrated they are killing the planet and you are killing the planet by eating them
0: Oh my gosh, they got so serious so quickly.
2: Well, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you got to be dramatic. You got to get the so, point across.
0: You did it. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from there, the cow wheel tongue can, um, mostly ate plant-based foods. And this is kind of going back to what we've talked about before numerous times, that when you are doing hunting and gathering, nine times out of 10, you're probably going to do a lot of gathering yeah. because that takes less energy.
2: And it's not even that it so much takes less energy. It's, you know, yeah, it does take less energy to gather. You don't get as large caloric intake. And that's why we hunt the meat. Yeah. That's why we went after meat sources. It's because that caloric intake from that one deer is going to be well above what you're going to get from your plant-based diet. Yeah. But, you know, hunts aren't always successful, especially when you're using a spear or a bow and arrow.
0: Yeah, and that's one thing they did note is in archaeological records, we know that during times of, you know, when they were struggling to find food, quite often they would resort to eating, you know, like salamanders and things like that, but also focusing on like worms and um, unshelled seeds because and we know this because of droppings. <laughs> yeah. Brad does love uh, some good old archaeological poop.
2: Yeah, oh man, you can learn so much from poop. <laughs> It it's amazing, you just you could see, you know what they weren't able to digest, but what they were actually taking taking in for calories, and poop is an amazing an amazing place to actually get archaeological records.
0: What you couldn't see at this moment was he was holding his hands like he was holding the largest poo in existence in his hands.
2: That one, well, I mean, human, uh, that was from. I can't remember. I think it was England. It was a Viking.
0: Oh, yeah. And they um, they brought it back.
2: Well, no. So literally, we don't know if we it's safe to assume that they didn't poop on the fire when it was roaring. But they, they took a poop into the fire, into the uh, ashes, presumably, you would hope. <laughs> if not, they were either very, very, very drunk or had triple dog dared to have done it. <laughs> But yeah, that's the largest one. I can't I don't remember if it was in England or where, but yeah, it was a the largest human excrement that we've ever recovered.
0: It's kind of wonderful because um the joys of being married to an archaeologist is nine times out of ten our discussions end up being, oh, let's talk about that poop.
2: Like I said, poop is an amazing thing. You get all sorts of things from poop. I worked in poop for several months mm-hmm. uh cleaning out uh cesspits and The amount of stuff that people would throw into their toilet, just to get rid of it, it's poop is amazing.
0: (laughs) Yes. So back to our topics on food. Um, One of the things to note about like this region, and this is something that's probably known by people who live in Texas, there is times where water is limited, and because of that, um, that's where they would depend a lot on things like cactuses and squash for their uh, to have more water moisture. they also focus a lot of their food on, like, fish and water-based foods. So, like, if there were ducks and they laid eggs, they would grab those eggs because you got to get that protein from somewhere.
2: I mean, that's an easy source. Yeah. And, you know, the eggs are unguarded. You grab them. You got yourself some eggs. And the duck comes back and tries to fight you for the eggs, you might have yourself a duck as well.
0: Yeah. Fight that duck. Yeah. So that was <laughs> that was kind of the big thing with it. So it's like um the recipe that's coming out this weekend has a lot of focus on those elements. And so overall I'm pretty excited to share it with you guys. Um, but it definitely with the southwestern part of the states, you know, I do feel kind of bad but not doing Pueblo. But one of the big reasons why, and I I hate saying this, I'm kinda not wanting to just eat a dish of mostly corn. And that is a lot of what Pueblo culture did.
2: Oh, why? Are are you afraid of your poops? Oh
0: <laughs> I, I just, I feel like, especially because I know going forward when we get to kind of more of the central, you know, central uh, North America, that's going to be more corn at oh. some point. <laughs> I got to give my stomach a chance.
2: No, no. You eat the corn and you enjoy the corn. <laughs>
0: you live with the corn. Yeah. Between the tamales and everything else these last few weeks, it's been a lot of corn. And
2: you know what? I'm happy. Of course you are. I'm happy out. He loves corn. Oh, I do love some corn. You know, c- corn of all sorts. It's just a starch. It's barely a vegetable. Yeah, but you know, it's it it it's good. And uh, it's a good way to take and tell how regular you are as well.
0: Oh, that's true, yeah, the records there,
2: yeah, I mean, you know you, you you eat corn on a Tuesday, and if you don't poop the corn out until that Friday, you you may need to take and look at your diet a little bit because <laughs> you may not be as regular as you need to be.
0: That's true. It shouldn't and, last that long,
2: you know, go talk to a doctor
0: and, <laughs> hashtag brad's medical advice <laughs>
2: yeah i mean i'm i'm not I'm not a doctor myself, but I do know when I can see corn in my poop, and you can too. <laughs>
0: So, moving on away from uh scat discussions, we're going to talk about uh where the Kickstarter is right now because it is because we are right now in the last thirty days. Um, we're not doing too great,
2: yeah, and that might be on us. That might have been the you know we chose a very high goal, but that was to cover all the publishing cost and the food that we need to remake to recreate the photos because early days we weren't exactly great about taking photos with a nice camera Mm -hmm. we deemed an iphone camera was good enough and it's not
0: and then we also made some like decisions when it came to preparing the food that were cost efficient but they weren't correct and so trying to do this better means more upfront costs yeah um but yeah so we're we only have hit three thousand eight hundred, so we're about ten percent.
2: Yeah. Um and it might ramp up, yeah. you know, if if you haven't supported yet, maybe consider. Uh, if you have supported, maybe, you know, send it to somebody that you know you think might be interested in in this idea of a cookbook.
0: And thank you also for supporting us because yeah. this is this is kind of the culmination of years of effort.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing is that if this doesn't succeed then we regroup and we go from there. We might decide that it's going to be a self-published limited run. Yeah. And and that
0: know. might take us a couple of years, but yeah. it
2: happens. We'll, we'll go from there and see what happens. So if you could take and get the word out and, you know, we can hit this initial goal and the cookbook can look very pretty and put together by an actual publisher.
0: And <laughs> not me in Final, in that, not final Cut, but uh, InDesign.
2: Yeah. And uh, we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, so we're pretty hopeful. Um, Definitely check it out. And uh, one thing to note, I know there hasn't been any recipe videos lately. It's mostly because I'm redesigning how those recipe videos are going to be going forward.
2: And she hasn't figured that out yet.
0: I'm still (laughs) (laughs) pondering um, because it is going to be taking some heavy influence from the Brad's Labs part of this equation where his are definitely more giving you the full history and that information. The recipe videos have always just kind of been an add-on and yeah. now i've realized they probably should actually have more substance to them
2: yeah and that's the thing is like the brad's labs way of doing it can help but then you know you also have like actual recipe videos from like binging with babish or the you suck at cooking yeah and trying to work all all of those features into recipe videos You know, it's not as easy as it would seem. No,
0: especially dealing with me being as awkward as I am. Yeah. I think we all forget sometimes that I'm not uh, camera ready. The camera does not love me.
2: (laughs) No, I think it's Megan doesn't love the camera. That's
0: the real answer. So definitely continue to work through it. I'm hoping to have those up in the next couple weeks. I'm just slow. So it will be definitely ramped up. And once we have that sorted, they should be on a more reasonable schedule. Yeah. But that's really it for this week. I think we're just going to keep working on the recipe and see you guys next Monday.
2: Yep. Yeah. You guys have a good week.
1: Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello?